You're listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. This show was created for entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers, and dreamers who want to learn from the experts of today and drastically shortcut their own success to build a business that supports their dream lifestyle. Since 2011, Tyler Jorgensen has been interviewing business thought leaders from around the world. A serial entrepreneur himself, Tyler also shares his personal insights into what's working in business today. Welcome to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. Welcome out to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. I am your host, Tyler Jorgensen, and today we have Vinny Brown, but you might know him. Uh, from Naughty by Nature. And it may not be the 90s anymore, uh, but these guys are still relevant. They're still pumping out new stuff. And one of the biggest things they're doing now is um, embracing the world of VR and e-commerce. And so I'm really excited to be talking with you, Ben. Welcome out to the show. All right. How you doing, big bro? Nice to be on the show, you know? Yeah, man. Excited to have you here. I think that we need to first start because this is you're a little bit of a unique guest in that... Uh, most people don't know you as an e-commerce guy or as a VR guy, right? So tell us a little bit about, uh, give us give us the the really quick snip of Naughty by Nature, how you got involved in the group uh, and your guys' journey. Right. So, um, well, Naughty by Nature, we were from uh, East Orange, New Jersey. We assembled in high school at first, you know, did the talent show thing and decided to pursue our music. Signed the first anxious deal under a group called The New Style. Eventually got away from there and we signed the Queen Latifah's management company, Flavor Unit Management. So we signed to them in 1990, uh, then signed to uh, Tommy Boy Records, which she was on uh, in 91. We released OPP and then everything took off from there. But, you know, uh, how we got into the merchandise is that in the early 90s when we blew up, you know, we always had our own merchandise from the 80s when we were the new style. And then when we signed to Tommy Boy with their art department, uh, Monica Lynch and a guy, Mark Weinberg, came up with the Naughty by Nature logo and that. And then our first pair of boxer shorts and the OPP T-shirt and stickers. So we were like, wow, we just kind of took it from there, trademarked everything. And we were rolling, you know, we were actually selling a lot of merchandise from, um, you know, the street corner. Then we got raided by the cops, so we had to legitimize it. And 93, 94, we opened up our first retail store. No, 94 we did. We opened up a full retail store called Naughty Gear, uh, 106 Halsey Street, downtown North. And the funny thing about that is back then, the internet was just coming along. You know, I remember the fastest modem was 28, eight kilobits per second, I, you know, then yeah. it went to 56K and then, then T1 and all of that stuff. So we actually had a Naughty by Nature website back then in 94, 95, and we had a Naughty Gear website for the store. But back then, all you could do is print out the order form, check off what you want, and look on the website to see what we had. So it was snail mail, mail order, and then we would receive it at the store, process the order, and ship back out. So that was our first introduction to primitive e-com. Yeah, man, I love that. That was like the uh, when basically the website was just a digital version of your like catalog, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Early days. Exactly. So let's, you know, man, you, there are probably a million stories we could go through. Um, and here on, here on the show, 
Uh, we want to interweave the entrepreneurial journey with the personal journey. So, and I think that Nadi as a, as a production, as a music group, right, is, and your journey into learning and understanding merge, they're probably really closely connected, right? They went hand in hand, like producing shows and then producing boxers to sell merch. Early on in your career, like as you guys got started, as you built that momentum, what was the first major obstacle that you guys faced? And then how'd you overcome it? Well, it was um, manufacturing, you know, manufacturing when it came to producing the goods ourselves, because when we opened this store, we weren't even really privy to the whole China connection and having in-house designers and that whole thing. So really, we were producing goods with a local screen printing shop. So it was all basically printing and embroidering and putting applications on blanks, you know, and we realized really quick that interrupting that screen printer's business because we had a lot of money back then to just dump, you know, on goods and we totally upset their normal business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was it was a problem with him turning around goods to fulfill the store. Right. So basically inventory was the biggest challenge. And and to a point it is still today. Yeah, absolutely. And so you guys get, I mean, again, early 90s, I don't think there's anybody that was alive during that time that doesn't know OPP, right? And so uh, you start selling merch, you start selling things. How did you handle personally the shift from being like, you know, just getting out there on the hustle into like, okay, we're starting to make it. Things are coming out. Right. Well, you know, I always refer to uh, Will Smith's movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, you know, because... We were street kids. Of course, we were doing the street hustling thing. And then our first group was the new style and we signed to the old Sugar Hill Records. So we really thought we would break as the new style. And lo and behold, that failed. So we had to re-up, change the name, rebrand. But this time we were, you know, under Queen Latifah. So we had a better shot. And then once we came out the box, you know, with OPP, that was our first official single and just blew we were like, wow, this feels good. You know, it's just a monkey off our back. But our thing was like, you know what? We're competitive by nature. So our thing is to keep this thing going, keep the music going and keep that competitive edge amongst our peers. I love that. And so it wasn't uh, it wasn't enough that you had one big hit, right? It was like you were going to keep innovating, keep growing, keep looking for what's next. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and um you know, again, with, with the likes of Queen Latifah, Flavor Unit Management, there were other artists on the roster. We were signed to Tommy Boy Records, so their roster was Queen Latifah, Coolio, De La Soul. I mean, yeah, uh, Digital Underground, Rest in Peace, Shock G. So it was a full roster of artists on the label and management. So we had to, you know, make sure to hold our spot and, and hold ourselves down, earn our keep. So, right. yeah, it was, it was urgent. We kept it going. Yeah, you don't want to get put in the wrong part of the show lineup, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or saying, look, you you got to wait two years for your next album to drop. <laughs> Absolutely. We have more important releases. No, you don't want to be in that category. Yeah, that's for sure. Man, so you guys, I mean, you through the 90s, you guys are growing, you're doing your testing, you're trying all this stuff. But we're coming up on 30 years. What are you guys doing to celebrate Naughty by Nature's 30th anniversary? Oh, yeah, man. We're doing a big recap. So first and foremost, we're uh, 
filming a 30th anniversary documentary. We're in the process of doing that now. We have Marcus Rayboy, who shot our first two videos, OPP and Everything's Gonna Be All Right. He's also uh, the guy who just directed Will Smith's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 30th anniversary, which released uh, last year. So we have Marcus going. We're going to own that print. And then we're uh, on the verge of uh, doing VH1 behind the music. So we're talking to Viacom about that right now. We'll do a 30th anniversary album. We're looking to drop everything in September during the week of the VMAs and then announce, you know, the rest of our touring for 2022 and just get back at it, you know, post-COVID. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Man, that's you guys have a lot going on. You got a lot building. So one of the things we, we kind of talked about a little bit the other day was um, how much is happening in the world of VR. And if you had asked me five years ago, uh, if when VR was starting to take off, who I thought would be one of the, the first groups to really be in, in, you know active in the VR world, I would not have said Naughty by Nature. But here <laughs> you guys are, you're building Little Town Naughty, right? In the, uh, and you're building an all-space VR on Oculus Quest. Like, what made you think, hey, Naughty needs to be involved in VR. Well, I think I've always um, just been involved in the t- technology part. Using it as a tool for fan engagement and, and, you know, to further monetize what we do. So even when we had the store in 94, I had a website back then. Web, the average website was about eight to $10,000, you know? So I always respected the technology and then going into social media. And then, you know, when people were actually spending money um, over the web with a credit card, I was always interested in that. And then it went on to apps and stuff like that. So I've always been into it. And now it's like with, VR world, oh my goodness, this is like something I already see, like every business should have a VR space, you know? You have a personal space where now you could build your dream office space, you could build your dream home, you could build your dream whatever you have, and then invite everyone you're doing business with into that space. So I'm looking at like what I'm building out. Well, we're really building out a whole island. So to me, it's going to be like naughty Disneyland and there'll be subscribers there and we'll have so many activities. But we will definitely have office spaces in there where I'll test to see where people are in business and say, look, if I'm pitching a licensing deal or someone's pitching me, I'm like, well, you know what? Grab your VR headset and meet me in my office. And then in that virtual space, we can conduct, you're able to pull up documents, you're able to, you know, design things and collaborate in real time. So to me, this stuff is so exciting. And for us being 30 year vets and, you know, having um, the ability to have ticketed events there and private screenings and listening sessions. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It's like that VR space is like having a website, uh, all social media, office space, all in one. And it's definitely the future. I know I'm, oh, yeah. I'm in on it. <laughs> I, I love the ability, the idea of like, okay, you're having a, a live ticketed event and then you can have backstage passes and it's not super complicated. It's like, hey, these people with these usernames, can, they're, they're the only ones that can access this room, right? There's no security guards. There's no like people right, sneaking right. backstage. But that's really neat. I didn't even think about that idea of having people come in for business meetings because you can interact in a different... You can act differently in VR than you can just over the phone or with Zoom. You see that that third dimension, the ability to kind of visualize things together. 
pretty cool stuff, man. Uh, how did you guys first get into licensing and anything that you learned there that you can share with other entrepreneurs? Yeah, well, licensing um, way back when we began, you know, there was a big company called Winterland. So they were like the bravados or, you know, the live nations of today. And, you know, they handled all the merchandise for the big tours and all of the big pop or rock bands. So they were the go to place. But what I realized is, you know, even a few years ago, about four years ago, we had a licensing deal with Bravado, you know, which is owned by uh, Universal Records. Uh, the reality is, is depending on how big your brand is or how much attention you command, you can get lost in the sauce. So, you know, it's cool to have those relationships and to have those licensing deals. But what I've found is that, you know, there's nothing like running the business yourself. And with all the, uh, you know, tools we have right now, digital tools, you can always carve out your direct to fan business. So I find that that's the best way for fan engagement. That's the best way to even extract like stories from your fans and just being hands on and getting the temperature of what your fans like, the rate in what you set, you know, your ads, you can see the immediate results from the targeted ads you're running. You can get yeah. all of that immediate feedback. But if you just give it to a major company and say, give me an advance and I'll just take the royalty. You're missing out on all the data. You're missing out on the long-term play and you're missing out on just stabilizing your business in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that to me is the most obvious is the ability to, to stay engaged with the customer or with the fan, right? So if, if a fan goes and says, I'm going to buy and they go to your site and they buy it, you have that customer information. Next yep. time you have a concert, next time you have something going on, next time you have another shirt drop, you can email or you can reach out to them and say, hey, you bought this shirt, you're probably going to like this. But if you just yep. license it off to Target, you don't have any of that information. So right. you, the ability for, like like you said, to, to carve out your direct-to-fans you know, you know, vertical, the ability to maintain that relationship, I think, is one of the biggest things that today's economy is allowing creators and producers and artists to be able to do is stay or, you know, feels like one-to-one with the Well, it, it, it definitely is one-to-one because, um, you know, even when customers have a discrepancy, you know, I get all the emails, but my team answers them. But some of the emails I read, and if someone's like really upset for no reason in, out of in our control, yeah, it's like, know. hey, UPS or, or the post office screwed up your package. I'll chime in. And then when they see the, the thread and they're like, oh, my God, this is then, you know, it just totally changes their day. And I'm able to explain it. And they're like, yo, it totally, you know, eases them. And they're like, man. Well, you know, well, I'm sorry for coming at y'all like that, but I can't wait to buy more. I love the product, you yeah. know, so that kind of engagement is super priceless. Yeah. And so and staying human, right? Like you were able to reconnect as a human, get back involved and say, this isn't just our some random customer service team. Like we're here. How can we help? Let's fix this. What right. uh, what is what's something that you guys I mean, you still sell like Naughty Beach Shores, but like what's one of your top items that you guys sell through Ecom? Oh man, the hoodie, the classic Naughty by Nature hoodie. That's what everyone loves. Um, and last uh, fall and winter, we did the hoodie bundle. So we had a hoodie bundle with a hoodie t-shirt, 
and baseball cap combined. They love that. That's a great, you know, great uh, uh, price point for a great package. And they love that. Love it. Love it. I love that. And so you guys, I mean, it's, it's great. You guys are still moving. You're doing, you guys are outperforming a lot of other e-com stores out there. Uh, I know you guys have big goals as well. I'm sure the the 30th anniversary and everything you guys are working on is probably going to help you hit those goals. Uh, what are some um, what are some challenges that you guys have faced through kind of as you've been growing the e-commerce side of things and uh, trying to figure out like new products and stuff like that? Like how what have you learned through that space? Well, I think um, you know creativity is free. So as long as you have the resources, financial resources, you can get with different design houses, people who source. I just think that in the e-com business, you know, you really need your your business and business credit health uh, intact, you know? So as long as you have a decent business credit line, you got to hire the appropriate people. You could do the proper sourcing. You can meet your, your proper minimums and then you'll have better margins. So that's the biggest challenge. And that's what we're sorting out now as we uh, scale our business. Um, you know, you mentioned early on, you guys started selling, started hustling, you got raided by the police, right? Businesses, a lot of times, we people don't start at all because they're worried about doing it perfect. I'm a big believer that you got to ready, fire, aim, right? You got you to gotta have some things lined up, but not be perfect. You just got to get to market and figure it out as you go. Um, so you guys have all, all the right ducks in the row. Everything's in place. You're ready for scaling. Um, you got big opportunities coming for Naughty by Nature 30th anniversary. Uh, man, big stuff's happening. What, uh, when you look back on the journey and somebody else is just getting started and, you know, they say, Hey, I want to get started in apparel or how about even going back further? Say, I want to get started in music. What do you tell them? Well, with apparel, I, I say, you know what? You have to be passionate about it. And first of all, with anything, if you're doing it strictly for a cash grab, then a lot of times you're going to fail. Because all you're seeing is money. You have to say, what's the purpose of this? How am I going to serve people? How am I going to make people feel good or feel happy? You know, so if it's apparel and I'm able to give them a unique product or a product that they appreciate and quality product, and it's going to be their favorite T-shirt. I don't care if it's a simple T-shirt, but if the cotton is soft and if the spec is right. And if, you know, when you're going in your laundry, everyone grabs that most comfortable feeling T-shirt, you know. So if you're going to have product like that, that should be your aim or your goal. And it's the same thing for music. It's like if you want to create music just to run out here and chase the latest fad and especially in rap music now where it's really dangerous out here. If you're not doing it to kind of change the tone of what's going on out here. You're just running into a cash grab and it's more of the same and it's not as unique. So, you know, when we were coming up, we prided ourselves on just being unique. Like I just mentioned, Digital Underground, Coolio, De La Soul, Queen Latifah, Naughty by Nature. All five of us was on the same record label, but very different brands, very different music styles. So, you know, you have to distinguish yourself in in that manner. And, you know, with the tools of today and so much music out there, music is really a lost leader, you know, because with streams and trying to make money off of this times the majors out there, even with licensing your music and the majors in there, just having first dibs, it's really a difficult business in this time and age. So 
you have to use music as a loss leader and then build product around it, you know, build experiences, build fan engagement around it to further monetize the music. That's interesting. I've never heard it as, as a, that it's a loss leader, but it really is in many ways. It's that this is how we're going to reach people. But then what's the next step, right? So thinking about it with the long game. Now, you, you've, been, uh, you've been with the group, like you said, it's coming on 30 years. And throughout that time, you guys have been doing music, but you've also been doing other business things. Tell us about the challenges of having uh, partners and like how you, you know, maybe some ups and downs of that and what you guys have learned, how to make it successful. Right. So that is the thing, because when we first came out, we were all you know, even kill. So we didn't even discover our other talents. It was just, hey, it's all about the group and we're putting out your kids. Right. And and that's going to be our thing. But lo and behold, you know, once we released the music, Tretch jumped out as an actor, you know, especially being under Queen Latifah's wing. He jumped out as an actor. Uh, KG jumped out as a producer. So he began producing other acts. Tretch began acting more. And I've always been more of a community based guy working with local politics. I got into, you know, the merchandising and the the brand development of the brand. So after a while, you know, once those energies start splitting, it takes away from the core business. So now you have movie companies pulling stretch away. The record label is saying, hey, this is my initial investment. And now I got to wait three years to get another album because for one, the guys are touring. For two, right. Tretch is uh, acting. For three, KG is producing other groups. And it's like, I made the kill, but the vultures are picking off of it. So that definitely caused, you know, internal drama, internal beef. And we had to work our way through it. And at the end of the day, one of the biggest elements is the brand itself. So through years of fighting, through years of breaking up, screw you, screw you, I don't need you, we're going to stay home. You know, you're literally leaving millions of dollars on the table. And when you're looking to, you know, branch off and do your own thing, there's no better platform to expose that than the core platform. So those are the things we learned along the way. Yeah. And so isn't it amazing how like a partnership through ego and pride, like leave millions of dollars on the table, scrapping over a couple hundred bucks, right? Or a right. couple other, right? It's like, wait, yeah, but this, this past deal a year ago wasn't fair. Well, let's like, let's worry about this big one that's out in front of us, right? And right. so um, how have you guys, as you've matured and gotten older, like how have you shifted your focus into the long-term play? Well, for one, it's about getting our finances in order, you know what I mean? Making sure your financial health is in order because a lot of times when you have those discrepancies, it's always one person in a group who's not as financially sound as the others. They're not as witty as the others and they're just reckless spenders, you know what I'm saying? So what you have to do is think as a collective and say, look, no matter what, if two thirds or one third of the group has their thing together, then it's in the total group's best interest to make sure you share this information with your partners because the more stable the team is, the longer, you know, or the more stable the general business is, you know? So right. having that going on. And then one of the things I've learned is that at the end of the day, you never know as what business partner may flip. You never know, hey, they could just die. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, 
So you need you to have, yeah, you gotta be ready for it. That's right. So you need to have your life, your finances in order. So win, lose, or draw, CYA, you know, you have yeah. to cover your ass. Makes a, hey, that makes a ton of sense. And I think it's, a, it's the kind of thing that we all hope people that come behind us learn faster than we did, right? <laughs> you guys have laid down major hits. You've got an amazing website at naughtybynaturestore.com where people can buy your merch. You've got your 30th anniversary. You got the big VR, Little Town Naughty and everything happening there in the, in the uh, fintech and fin education world, which I think is really cool. Um, what are some other things that you just think people really need to know about what Vin Brown is doing here in 2021? Well, for me, man, it's just about, you know, just being of service to others. I've always been known as a hands-on community guy, you know, so even like I'm born and raised in my hometown of East Orange, New Jersey. So we've always been around here. And in 92, you know, when we bought our first homes, I moved to West Orange, which literally I could walk you know, town to town. So about six years ago, I chose to move back to my hometown because I was working with the local mayor who was running. So now that he ran um, the past two mayors, I've been on the transition team for recreation and cultural affairs. So being involved in the parks, you know, and recreation system here. So my thing is like what I want people to know is that no matter how humble or successful, you know, you become, how humble your beginnings or successful you become, you know, everybody should at least come back home and participate in local politics, participate in your local school district, just give back to the kids and let them feel and see and touch a success story. You know what I mean? And it's really empowering because Whitney Houston, Dion Warwick, John Amos, you know, all of these people, Queen Latifah are from our hometown of East Orange and just being accessible to the community and to us as growing up, it was really inspiring. So for the most part, that's what I feel. It's like, it's just about that community feel. And if you're able to sustain the community and inspire others, hopefully they'll sustain themselves and you'll have a far less angry people in the world, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, I, I absolutely love what you're doing with, with the group. I love what you're doing with your brand. I love that you're staying involved in the community. What's one major item on Vin Brown's personal bucket list that you're going to accomplish in the next 12 months? 12 months? Wow. Well, uh, I have to go back into the housing market. So I'm actually torn between the VR mansion I'm building and then cloning it in real life. So I have uh, like a Elvis Presley's Graceland or Michael Jackson Neverland Ranch. So I want to do almost like the NFT thing. The virtual world is the NFT stuff. And then, you know, the physical uh, product is there as well. So with this NFT stuff, I plan on yeah. bouncing them both around, you know? So Very I'm really cool. waiting for the housing market to correct. And then here in Jersey, uh, you know, I want to work with the governor and, and, and local, you know, uh, authorities to make sure I'll have the passes and to do what I need to do zoning wise so I won't have problems. And then from there, I'm opening up Naughty Land, man, like the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I love the vision. Go to NaughtyByNatureStore.com. Check out what Vince doing there. Where all my business is wherever you're listening, it's your turn to go out and do something. 
Thank you for tuning in to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. What you didn't hear was one more very important question that Tyler asks each guest. If you want to be a fly on the wall when the real secrets are shared, go to bizninja.com slash VIP and get your access today. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And our one last favor, if this episode was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a fellow entrepreneur so they can grow along with us. Biz Ninjas, it's your turn to go out and do something.